Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. New bumper, same show. I'm James Rapine. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. So much to get to today. A little NWA on this Monday. Joe Goodberry going to join us tomorrow for our weekly Bengals film review to talk about that horrific 20 to nothing loss to the Baltimore Ravens. We're on iTunes, audioboom.com. Also, the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe. There, follow on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals. I thoroughly enjoyed the back and forth on Twitter, whether we agree, disagree, at James Rapine. Uh, a ton, a ton uh, to get to today. Look, ultimately, 20 to nothing. I have a lot of thoughts. Plenty. Offensive line, bad. Ken Zampezi, awful. Andy Dalton might have been the worst game of his career. And for the first time yesterday, in Andy Dalton's career, for the first time, in the Marvin Lewis era, I, re- I, you know, I, I legitimately think this. I never thought this when, when Carson Palmer was the quarterback or when John Kitna was the quarterback in 2003 or when Andy struggled earlier in his career or in 14 or 15 or any time last year. But at halftime, down 17 to nothing, if Marvin Lewis would have rolled out there and put A.J. McCarron in the game to start that third quarter, I would have defended him. And yeah, I know you're going to tell me, well, James, the offensive line was horrible. I know. I know. (laughs) And yet, Andy Dalton was the worst player on that offense. Look, I said this last year. If you've listened to this podcast, I hold quarterbacks to a higher standard than I do kickers when I defended Mike Nugent last year because he wasn't the reason they lost games. A lot of it was on Andy, too. And I'm going to defend Cedric Abwehi here. He was on an island against Terrell Suggs. Russell Bodine, we knew he was bad. You know what we thought, though? You know what I thought going into yesterday? That Andy Dalton was going to not turn the ball over, was going to get rid of it when he felt pressure, was going to make at least some of the throws necessary to win a, a game and not make poor decisions. Like one thing in the past two years that Andy Dalton's done well, he's, hit, he's only thrown 15 picks in two seasons. Is not turn the ball over. Yesterday, he turned the ball over five times. Yesterday, Andy Dalton was atrocious. Some say it was his worst game since 2014. Man, I don't know. I was at that Cleveland game, that Thursday nighter. That might be his worst game, period. Period. I'm serious. That might be the worst game I've ever seen Andy Dalton play. He threw into double coverage in the red zone to Brandon LaFell. Brandon LaFell is a nice player. He's not someone you throw into double coverage for. I'm going to ask Joe Goodberry tomorrow here on this podcast, but to me it was the same old Andy, first read, couldn't find anyone, had to run, had to do something, and he threw it to the other team yesterday. Throwing it away is bad enough. 
But if he's going to throw it to the other team, then he doesn't deserve to be in the game. But ultimately, Andy Dalton is what he is. And this is where I'm going to segue. Because it's on Ken Zampezi. Ken Zampezi was a quarterback's coach. I'm not even going to look, but I believe it was 13 seasons here in Cincinnati. Never became an OC. Never could get that bump. I'm going to give you this reference, this idea, this um, analogy. I uh, started in this business as a producer. Since then, I've slowly worked my way up, and now I'm on air on ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW in Cincinnati. I do this podcast. I do a weekly podcast with Mo Ager. There's there's a bunch of on-air stuff I do now. But let's say I, I talk to someone. And it, it was right when I first got into this business, right when I first started producing. And I told this man, he's a, a fellow producer, a veteran in the game. I told him, I'm not going to say, Mike, his name isn't Mike, but Mike, I want to be on air. And he was like, yeah, me too. He was like, but sometimes you don't get your chance. He had been producing for like 20 years. <laughs> because Mike was never going to make it on air. You know why? Because he had been producing for 20 years. Ken Zampese, like ultimately, it's it's sink or swim. You either get your break or you don't. And in my career, I'm getting to that point now where you either sink or swim, you get the break, you become an on-air talent exclusively, or you don't. Well, Ken Zampese got passed on and passed on and couldn't get interviews and got passed on some more and never became an offensive coordinator until the Bengals pretty much had to default to Ken Zampese. There was no one else left. Jay Gruden, well, they went to the Arena League to get Jay Gruden. And then, oh, well, Hugh Jackson's our running backs coach. Let's promote him. He knows offense. Oh, they're both gone. They're both head coaches. Well, what? Should we bring someone in from the outside? Oh, no. Oh, we got we got to give it to Ken. Like, it's just kind of, he defaulted into this job. And he looks in over his head. He looks in over his head. The fact that yesterday wasn't all about quick hits, boom. A.J. Green, boom. Tyler Eifert. Tyler Eifert cut f- one catch for four yards. What the, why the hell is he even out there? There was no creativity from the offense. And I put it on Andy and I put it on Ken. Yes, Ken calls the plays. Yes, Ken Zampezi is the offensive coordinator. But damn it, if Andy Dalton thought the game plan was bad, or at halftime if Andy Dalton thought he was having to drop back more than three steps and that was bad, he should say something. I am so sick of Andy Dalton and just the team leaders. Like, if I'm A.J. Green, and I tweeted this, if I'm A.J. Green after that game, I am losing my mind in the locker room. Selfishly, I don't care. I don't care. Because James Urban, the Bengals wide receiver coach, here's what he had to say about A.J. Green. He, he told this to Dan Horde and Dave Lapham on the Bengals game plan show. This aired last week on ESPN 1530. Just a 20-second clip about A.J. Green and his work ethic. Never ceases to amaze me. He's the hardest-working guy in the, in, in the league, in my opinion. He just, you know, and there's plenty of hard-working guys, but he, uh, he takes nothing for granted. He enjoys every moment that he gets to play the, the game that he loves and uh, works hard at it. So he just, that's all we can ever ask for. He never ceases to amaze his wide receiver coach because he busts his ass every damn day. And that's the performance? That's what my team puts up? That's what the offensive coordinator does? That's the performance that my quarterback puts up? You're going to throw in a double coverage in the red zone and you're not throwing to me? 
If I'm A.J. Green, I'm losing my mind on Andy, on the offensive coordinator, because that's not why he's there. Like it or not, I think it really bothered, really got underneath A.J. Green's skin to see Julio Jones in the Super Bowl last year, to see former teammate Muhammad Sanu in the Super Bowl last year. He wants to get there, and he's not going to get there with some short offensive coordinator that's coming up small, pun intended. He's not going to get there with Andy Dalton, who isn't that physically talented, doesn't wow you that way, but was always good at not turning the ball over and making mistakes. Well, damn it, Andy, you threw the ball away five times yesterday. Oh, well, what about the strip sack? Throw the ball away. You should have felt the pressure. He pump faked. He felt it. Four picks? Like, what are we talking about here? Yesterday was on three things. One, Andy Dalton. Like it or not, he's the franchise quarterback. He's the face of the franchise. He's the one who takes the heat first and foremost. Then it was on offensive coordinator Ken Zampezi. That guy's had all offseason, all offseason, to scheme around a bad offensive line that you knew was going to be bad. And I know I sound pissed off right now, and I'm pissed off thinking about it for these guys because I see them in the locker room every day. And, and someone like A.J. Green, man, who is elite, a top five person at, in the world at what he does. And he's got to put up with that. I don't want him to end up like Chad where he doesn't get a ring, where he doesn't have success during his prime. AJ's better than Chad in a lot of ways, including he doesn't lose his mind in the locker room when things go bad. But yesterday might have been a time where he should have. Today might be a time this week, might be a time where he should be riding those guys. Because, man, it was awful. Awful, awful, awful. And it's the three things. Let me get to it here. Andy Dalton, Ken Zampezi, and the Bengals front office. What are you talking about? What do you mean the Bengals front office? You never should have let Wit go. You, sometimes you put your pride aside in relationships. Like, sometimes you realize that you're better with that person than without him. So you sacrifice, and even though your buddies are going to razz you because you have to go home early to see the girl... Whatever the hell the case may be. But you put aside your pride and you swallow it to make it work. That's what the Bengals should have done. They should have kept Andrew Whitworth here. No matter how they did it. No matter what they needed to do. Should have made it work. And they didn't. And now they're seeing the after effects. And yeah, you could say Marvin Lewis didn't send help to Cedric Abwehi side. Okay. All right. But the front office didn't give Marvin Lewis the best offensive line he could have had. Which was with Andrew Whitworth. It's that simple. It's that simple for me. So the offensive line, yeah, we knew it was going to be bad. <laughs> we knew. I talked about it multiple times. Multiple times during our pre-show. I, I did a pre, uh, pre-game video on the field at Paul Brown Stadium. I tweet those out. After every, every home game, I'll be there. And I'll preview the game, and then I'll, I'll give you a, a recap of the game on the field. And good God, the one matchup we were going to watch, Terrell Suggs, Cedric Abwehi. I don't know what it is. I don't know if he needs to just get tougher. I don't know if A.J. Green needs to grab him by the face mask and, and tell him to be strong. I don't know. Maybe he's just bad at his job. But Cedric boy, he was soft yesterday. And I know Terrell Suggs is really good. But he was also overpowered and outmatched. And he had a whole offseason of people telling him how bad he sucked. And in the week one, he sucked. Think about that. 
Like if you had six months, let's no matter what your job is, of people saying, "Man, I don't, I don't think you can do this job. I don't think you can do this job. You're going to hold this team back. You're going to be the one that holds this whole business back." You would want to tell them to shove it and prove every single one of them wrong. Well, it didn't work for Cedric Abwehi. Offensive line grades, pro football focus. They're listed on Mo Egger's blog at ESPN1530.com slash Mo. Cedric Abwehi, 36.8. Clint Bowling, 38.9. Russell Bodine, 42.7. Trey Hopkins, who left with a serious knee injury, according to reports, 33.9. Jake Fisher was the best one of them all, 49.9. Meanwhile, Andrew Whitworth was at 76.1. And Kevin Zeitler, 80.2. Now, don't tell me that the front office didn't fail this coaching staff and this team. Say what you want about the draft. No rookie offensive lineman was going to do much yesterday, make a difference yesterday. You know who would have? Andrew Whitworth. You know who would have? Kevin Zeitler. You know who didn't? Cedric Abwehi. Actually, he did make a difference for the Baltimore Ravens. And so did Andy Dalton. By the way, Joe Flacco of the Ravens completed nine passes yesterday. The defense, outside of an 18-play, nine-minute drive that really kind of sealed the deal when the Ravens kicked a field goal to make it 20 to nothing, outside of that, I thought the defense was pretty solid without Perfect, without Adam Jones. But ultimately, you're missing two playmakers, and the offense can't do a damn thing. And even when they made plays, Nick Vigil makes a huge play to start the third quarter. Andy Dalton gives the ball right back. A.J. Green and Giovanni Bernard make a few plays to get the ball downfield when they're down 3 to nothing. Andy Dalton gives the ball right back. That's the worst throw I've ever seen Andy Dalton make. I, re- I think it might be. The one to double coverage with Brandon LaFell. Holy God. There was never... He drops back. His eyes didn't move. I was looking. I was watching right there from the radio booth. His eyes don't move. Staring at Brandon LaFell. If you're going to stare... At a wide receiver. Stare at someone great. Brandon LaFell. Tyler Eifert's on the field. It's the red zone. A.J. Green's on the field. Tyler Boyd was probably on the field. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And then, like, even when he had a clean pocket, that throw to LaFell, it was clean, man. He wasn't pressured. It was just an awful decision. Then he had Cody Core wide open for a touchdown. In the fourth quarter, I'm like, oh, that's a TD. Missed him. Just missed him. It's unbelievable. But sometimes that's what happens when your quarterback isn't focused. Like, Andy Dalton was awful yesterday. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's the the David Carr type syndrome, if he's getting some of that now, where the past year he's been hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. So now it's just in his brain, in his mind, that he's going to get hit and hit and hit and hit and hit. And that's the scary part. Long term, how long is this going? What kind of effects is a bad offensive line going to have? Because they're not going to get drastically better this year. And let's say they replenish and sign in free agency and make the line way better next year. Is it going to be too late by then? That's the question. But good God. Like, Terrell Suggs is scary, right? J.J. Watt's a hell of a lot better than Terrell Suggs. Jadavion Clowney on the other side? Whitney Merciless? That Houston pass rush makes Baltimore's look like a peewee team. And I'm serious. Houston's pass rush is a lot worse, a lot scarier than Baltimore's. Nothing Baltimore did yesterday, absolutely nothing they did surprised me. Absolutely nothing. And that's scary going into this week 
Because basically what happened is the Bengals lined up, they didn't do anything special, and they got their ass kicked by a team that wasn't doing anything special. We're going to continue the Bengals conversation in just a second, but first, a word from my friends at SeatGeek. SeatGeek makes it easy to buy tickets to sporting events and concerts. That can be complicated sometimes. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to do it. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and look, it's simple. Let's say you want to go to Thursday's game, download the app, and that's it. It's simple. You download the app. SeatGeek's going to save you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices, find you amazing deals. Deals might be really amazing after that beatdown yesterday. And you get the most bang for your buck. It grades every ticket based on value. So you see which one val- gives you proper value, which one doesn't. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase since you listen to Locked on Bengals. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code L-O-N-F-L. That's promo code L-O-N-F-L for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And while we're at it, by the way, email me your thoughts on the game. For real. I assume a lot of you need to vent, need to get your thoughts out there. I'd love to read your emails. James Erpine at ESPN1530.com. That's James R-A-P-I-E-N at ESPN1530.com. You can also tweet me at James Erpine and at Locked on Bengals. Joe Goodberry will be on the show tomorrow to do our weekly Bengals film review, recapping the day that was at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday. Good God. It was such a beatdown. I mean, I, I was working, and I was like, man, this is, this is ugly. And early it was ugly. Middle it was ugly. The end was ugly. It didn't get better. There was nothing really to build upon. I, I will say this. Giovanni Bernard looked good. Joe Mixon flashed a little. Jeremy Hill, I don't want to see screen passes to Jeremy Hill. Brandon LaFell, no need to screen pass it to him either. And a, a lot of you, and I get this, you, you question, well, why didn't they draft offensive linemen? I don't think that matters. Like, I, I really don't. Like, I don't think that the the guy they would have drafted, whether it would have been at 9 or 41, which they traded back for 48, or in the third round or fourth round, you really want to give up John Ross for someone that, a guy you haven't seen, by the way. You haven't seen much of Ross yet. You want to give him up for a lineman that may or may not be good just to have a lineman? Like, I always say that, like, ultimately it doesn't matter what position you get in the draft as long as it works out okay. Like, if John Ross ends up being what I think he could be, you're going to forget all about the fact that you thought you wanted a, a lineman. So I look at this team now, and how do they improve? Well, they've had months to scheme around a bad offensive line, and they didn't do that. Now they have a couple days. You got to do it. You have to do that. It's that damn simple. So Ken Zampezi needs to sit in his office and come up with a game plan. And if it doesn't work this week, I'm not sure he should be employed Friday. I'm serious about that. If Marvin Lewis has his team so unprepared and just looking so sluggish and awful, and they get their ass kicked by Houston, I'm not sure he should be employed Friday. I'm not saying that he will be fired. I'm saying I'm not sure he shouldn't. Why should he be safe? Why should any of the coaches be safe if that's the product you're going to put on the field? It's that simple. 
Put the best guys out there, scheme around them, put them in a position to win. That's why Hugh Jackson was so damn good. Hugh Jackson is one of the best offensive coaches I've seen. And a prime example is last year in a loss to the Bengals. In a loss to the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium. You know what he did with no offensive talent, with no one, with Terrell Pryor getting double teamed and Adam Jones doing everything he can to shut him down and no quarterback. He was on his fourth string quarterback and all these rookies and young talent. He ran the read option with an undrafted quarterback because the Bengals weren't ready for it, and that's what you do. You scheme around the talent. You put your players that you do have in a position to succeed. I have yet to see Ken Zampezi do that. You're telling me that Hugh Jackson versus Ken Zampezi, the plays are different? They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be that much different. The playbook still gets left here. When Hugh Jackson goes to Cleveland, the offensive playbook is still here. So Ken had those resources. But he does not know how and has not shown the ability to put his players in position to win, and we've seen it time and time again. In the preseason, the reason I was excited about this offense, about what they were doing, is because we saw motions. And I thought it was a a sneak peek at what we could see. Giovanni Bernard motions to the slot. Joe Mixon motions out one way. Five receiver sets. This was without John Ross in the damn lineup. And what happens? Yesterday, he gets vanilla predictable, and he looks scared. So if I'm A.J. Green, if I'm Andy Dalton, and Andy Dalton struggled yesterday, I would make it very clear that the game plan better be tailored to a shitty offensive line. Pardon my language, but that's true. The offensive line is going to get its ass kicked on Thursday. Let's make that a reality, understand that, and scheme around it. Seattle's offensive line, awful. They're going to make the playoffs this year. The Giants' offensive line, awful. I promise you they'll be better. Will the Bengals be better? Will they scheme around it? Will they make the necessary adjustments? That's what I want to see this week. On a short week with pretty much the season. It sounds crazy. But we're one game in. If they lose to Houston, they have 10 days and then they go to Lambeau. You're going to beat Aaron Rodgers? Hell no. So you got to win this week. Unless you want to start 0-3. Couldn't even score at home. That's what happens when your quarterback makes poor decisions, when the offensive coordinator is incompetent and doesn't build and scheme around a poor offensive line, and when your front office lets two the best two offensive linemen go because it doesn't want to pony up the money because it's pride's in the way. That's what happens. They got punched in the mouth. Now what happens? How did they respond? I would respond by getting quick hits. John Ross would play this week, and I would get a damn win. That's what I would do. Quick hits to Ross on one side, Green on the other. Mixon back there with Giovanni Bernard. You put your talent in a position to succeed. If, if Ross is healthy, I think he's going to play. I really do. I mean, he was close. I think he was close yesterday. Got a couple more days. Maybe not. Maybe they hold him out till Green Bay. But, man, that's the last thing on any Bengals fan's mind right now. Andy Dalton was awful. All eyes on him. Ken Zampezi, awful. Cedric Abwehi, awful. Is he tough? What should his nickname be? I was thinking about this, like, like if he's going to keep being soft, we have to come up with a nickname. Like, Cupcake Cedric? Is that, is that good enough? Is that bad? Like, because he's soft, you get what I mean? 
Or, or what, what should it be called? What should his nickname be? You could tweet that to me. You could email that to me. Because, man, he's been told all offseason how bad he was. And then he went out there and got bullied. Russell Bodine got bullied. They got bullied yesterday. Andy Dalton got bullied, too, into some poor decisions. Some really poor decisions. Well, this was fun. New bumper music for the season. Great, great, great to have you in. Tomorrow, Joe Goodberry joins me for our weekly Bengals film review. It's going to be great stuff. Like, I'm already predicting that we're going to go at least a half hour. (laughs) Half hour with Joe Goodberry breaking down the offensive line. An average Andy who was below... God, all he needs to be is average. That's my nickname for him is Average Andy. Average Andy would be dandy after yesterday. That was lame. I'm out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening. Subscribe on iTunes, audioboom.com. Download the SeatGeek app. Use promo code LONFL. Until next time, until tomorrow with Joe Goodberry, I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. <laughs>